0: Hi, this is Albert Bouchard from Blue Oyster Cult, and you are listening to Cattails.
1: You're listening to Cattails. Albert Bouchard has been in the rock game for a long time. A lover and appreciator of all things music, Albert was once the founding member of the legendary rock group Blue Öyster Cult, which sold over 20 million records worldwide with classics such as Don't Fear the Reaper and the number one hit on the Billboard mainstream rock chart, Burning For You. Albert's influence as both a drummer and a songwriter is felt throughout the genres of classic rock, hard rock and heavy metal to this day, and much has been written about Albert's acrimonious split from the band in 1982. But Albert has no regrets. He worked as a Sessions musician and also went back to college to achieve a BA in music and an MA in English literacy. Formed a band with his brother Joe called Blue Coo, and was honoured as an outstanding educator by President Obama at the White House. And now he's back making music with the trilogy of Imaginos. This is The One with Albert Bouchard. Yeah, welcome to the show then, Al. And I'd just like to start our conversation, if we can, around what you're doing now, because I've been fascinated with this new um, album of yours, which came out last year. Well, the, the limited edition came Thank out you. last year, didn't it? And you've got a new release coming out in June, all around um amazing back back catalogue you have, actually, of Imagino. Tell me all about why you've gone for that. Tell me about it.
0: Well, um, it really I was thinking about it today because um uh I, I started really the 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 uh, impetus in the very beginning i mean this is after you know of course I had uh started working on this record with my manager and co-writer sandy prolman uh and producer uh for you know back in the Really, uh, I guess maybe the in the mid uh, 70s, I guess we had started get, having this idea that we're going to do a whole album of this story that he had, you know, that he had kind of, you know, he'd come up with a story back and, you know, before I knew him, really. And uh, he would write a song now and then, you know, and kind of fit it into what I was doing. Amazing. I think that was how it began. You know, I was writing the music and he would write lyrics for it. But then it, it turned around and he was writing lyrics and I was writing the music for the lyrics. And we, so it started, the story started driving the whole thing. And uh, and then, you know, uh, I, I was asked to leave Blue Oyster Cult, which I did. And uh, Sandy said, no worries. You know, I'm getting a, a, a deal with Columbia Records, which he did and for a solo record and uh we proceeded to make what was going to be the first of three records and um and of course that kind of went sideways you know uh it took us a long time to do it you know when we started bruce Lundvall was the head of columbia records and uh by the time you know by the time i'd kind of finished what i was doing which was in 1985 uh, uh, Bruce Lundball was no longer there. It was Al Teller and uh, mm. you know and Donny Einer were were in charge of uh, Columbia Records and uh, and they didn't like it. Mm. They didn't want to put it oh. out. So you know it was like it was a matter of you know it wasn't you know I mean originally when they signed it it was a different guy in charge yeah. you know and uh, you don't think about that you know it, when you're a younger musician you think oh you know I I get a record deal, you know, I'm going to be a star, you know, but, but, uh, or if I get a record deal, you know, the, the people at the record company are going to love my record because they signed me. But as it turns out, things change, you know, over time. And, 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 you know, I think, you know, as we were doing it, I was saying, Sandy, this is taking a lot, a lot of time. And he's like, well, I've got to go deal with Black Sabbath and I've got to, You know, and I've got the replacements. I'm, you know, working with them and Dream Theater and all these other groups, Mm -hmm. right? And Patty Smith. So he was involved in a whole bunch of other stuff and he didn't have time to work on it like I did. So anyway, (laughs) I didn't realize that the other factor about just, you know, trying to launch my solo career was that, uh, you know, the things were changing at the record company and And even in the music business in general, you know, because they the reason that Donnie Einer didn't like the record was there was no single. He said, "How can we sell a record with no single wow. single sell yeah, record?"
1: Of course. It was all driven by that in those days, but, wasn't it? But, you know, yeah, there's yeah. more to it than that. I mean, you've got a an amazing storyline. You've got amazing music, and you've got this vision of creating something completely different, haven't you? Yeah. You know, something completely different.
0: Yes. And then yes, it stopped in exactly. its tracks.
1: That must have been so frustrating.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was very frustrating. And then, and then, so Sandy convinced Blue Oyster Cult to put it out as their record. You know, which you know at the time I at first I was like, okay, that's great. You know, you know, we'll go out, you know, they, I guess they want me back in the group Hmm. and, uh, and you know, and Sandy and the other guy in the management were like, yeah, yeah. They want you back in the group. You know, they definitely want to work with you. So then the record came out and they were like, we didn't say that that was just Sandy. Oh, no. <laughs> he never even told us that that was the, the deal. So now I'm really mad with everybody. So I ended up suing them all and, Oh, it was a mess. And, and the record came out and it didn't really do anything. You know, they didn't, they barely lifted a finger to promote it. You know, I think I, probably Sandy and I did more for promotion than, than blue Oyster Cult or Columbia. But anyway, so that, you know, at that point I was very, uh, discouraged and disappointed and just disgusted, because, mm. you know, all the D's. <laughs> <laughs> Every D you
1: can and, think of it was in there. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, 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 I was feeling, and so, uh, so I kind of retired from the music business, you know, I mean, I kind of, I was doing little things here and there, I was playing with some other acts, you know, I played with the mamas and the papas for a little while. And, Spencer Davis, I played with him for a couple of years, and you know, I did some other stuff. But really, I was like, "This is, you know, I've had it with this, mm-hmm. you know, this backstabbing, you know, crappy business. You can't trust anybody, you know." And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's no faith <laughs> you know, in I human nature. Yes,
1: I bet you did. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I ended up getting a job at a school, and uh, went back to and went back to college. Finished, got my degree. I got a. De- Instead, I originally went to be a a civil engineer.
1: Okay. You know,
0: to do architecture and roads and things like that. You know, I, I...
1: Wow. That couldn't be further from the music business, though, could it? That's amazing. That's almost like the other half of your brain in action rather than the. Well, yeah. well, I'm saying that I'm, now, I'm I'm. talking myself out of it now because actually there is creativity there, but in a different sense, isn't there?
0: Yeah. So. So, yes, exactly. So uh, uh, when I went back to when I started working in school, I'm like, well, I, you know, and there was there was another music teacher there and I'm like, I, you know what? This guy is, he's a great musician, but he has no idea how to teach kids how to play. Now, at mm-hmm. at the same time, what happened was before I got the job in the school, I was teaching in a different school. It was called uh, the Drummers Collective. So it was a, a private school for drummers. And uh, so I had already been teaching. And, and as a matter of fact, I used to have drum students when I was Still in high school, I taught other kids how to play, oh. the, you know, how to play the beat to uh, Wipeout or, you know, whatever, you know, or,
2: yeah. the thing
0: at the time. So I, I knew about teaching kids how to play, teaching other people how to play. And, uh, I, and I did have, you know, I mean, I didn't have a good piano teacher. The nuns, they were not good. Well, my first teacher was kind of OK, but the second teacher was horrible. But then... And and when I was in high school, I had a great band teacher, you know, and, uh, you know, I had, I had some good training and so I knew the kind of thing that, you know, people need to hear to, to be able to master these things. So, uh, so I wanted to be a music teacher. So I went back to school and got a a degree in music and, uh, and, uh, so, that's what I was doing for most of my time.
1: I have to ask you, though, Al, was that hard? You know, because you're, you know, if you're almost like you're, you know, you had your, your training or whatever when you were young. But then you're almost into this massive career where it's a, I'm going to say, a bit of a free-for-all, really. You're able to develop your own style, aren't you? To then sort of like come back to school, as it were, to to learn about the discipline of music or music writing and, and all that. Right. Was that difficult? I, I, I would find that more difficult, I think, than starting when you haven't had the experience than when you have, in a way. Well,
0: I don't know. You know, for me... Because I, uh, yes, I had training as a child and stuff. But when I went back to school, to college for music, it was a whole different thing. It was, I almost cried Mm. when I was finished, when, uh, you know, I took the last, uh, I took uh, music theory for two years. And after the fourth semester, uh, my teacher said, well, that's it. And I'm like, what? No, no. (laughs) 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 What else can I learn? You know, (laughs) he goes, well, you could do, you could do the jazz jazz workshop, you know, that's a different kind of th- theory where you do chord substitutions and you know, the finding the common note and, you know, putting all the spice in the things. And I said, well, teach me that. You know, he said, okay. So, but that was only for one semester, the jazz thing. And then uh, then I was done. You know, I like, graduated and I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that was fun. I, I didn't really expect it. I would like it so much, but I'd never really you know i'd never approach it like that like i want you know i want to learn how to uh, how to play music you know when i was learning how to be an engineer they uh, and i i believe really seriously that most most school is taught backwards hmm. they start you with a theory and then after you're bored out of your skull they start, finally give you some practical applications for this theory Whereas for me, I always thought you should teach the practical application. And then once you say once you learn that and how to apply this stuff, then then you can say, well, why does why do these chords make you feel this way? You know, and you go, you know, and go into the theory afterwards. It's not just for music. It's for anything that you learn. You know, where, whether it's the engineering thing or whatever, it's like start with the, app, the practical application, then get into the theory. You know, get into the more abstract stuff.
1: Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. It's like get your imagination going to start right. with, fall in love with that subject, right. and then learn how to do it better. Yes. Or to learn what's how it's constructed, exactly. or learn the skills that you need to, to do it well or professionally. That's exactly Yeah, it. I like that yeah. thought. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so... Uh, so that's that's how I, I taught, and, uh, and I had some su- su- quite a bit of success, actually. I mean, most of the kids, you know, I'm, I made them play. Even if they were shy or whatever, they had to play. That was part of their grade, and, uh, and they would play for all the, you know, we played for every graduation, every party, every dance, everything. We'd, we'd play. Even if they had a DJ, we'd still play. You know, so uh, that was that was a lot of fun. You know, I think that, you know, for me, uh, uh, it was kind of like going back to when I first started playing and playing just for the joy of it. And, you know, I think that, you know, it it was a little frustrating because my, you know, my students would always tease me and say, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, you are a big rock star. Well, what are you doing in this crappy place? And <laughs> oh. <laughs> I say because <laughs> <That's> because the... <laughs> of you I like you. <laughs> I want to be here with you guys. You 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 tricked me into to working for you. <laughs>
1: But all that knowledge that you have to impart, I mean, how lucky were they? And and you obviously enjoyed that imparting of the knowledge because, you know, what you're describing there is a lovely experience after a fabulous career in music. I, I guess at that point you never expected to go back into music, making music, or, or was it part I, of the plan? I
0: did. I did. I actually thought, you know, I'll do this for a little while and then I'll... Um... I'll, uh, I'll go back and go out on the road, and because I missed, I missed touring. You know, uh, when I was mm. teaching, I would go out every summer, and we would do a tour. And at first, you know, because I was not a full time musician, the people that I worked with were not full time musicians, so you know, it was always log- logistical. Issue, you know how to get a a two weeks free from their job so that they could come out and join me. You know, I mean one of one of the guys that I play with more than anybody else, my bass player David Hirschberg. You know, he was a teacher too, so we had the same time off.
1: Yeah, makes it a little bit easier, doesn't it, with that coordination and stuff, doesn't it?
0: Right, right. And but you know, it was it was more difficult to do that, and so I thought, well. I'm just going to do this for a while. And then I'm going to, you know, once I retire, you know, I'm going to, well, at first I wasn't even going to retire. I was just going to do it for a couple of years, you know, get myself back on my feet, you know, after this whole thing with Imaginos. You know, I was going to take a break from music and, and just, uh, you know, and then, uh, and, I, and and all of a sudden it was, I was coming up on 30 years of teaching. And I'm like, you know what? I'm now I'm in my seventies. I really, I need to do this to get out and and do the live gigs because, you know, I'm, what, I'm going to retire at 77 and have, like, three years of playing, you know? I mean, I thought, well, you know, I mean, and I thought to myself, well, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, I probably won't be playing when I'm 80, you know? Why not? But, (laughs) you know, I mean, I played for Ian Hunter's birthday party. Yes. You know, and he, he sang and played well, <laughs> but he hasn't done anything since. You know, so I I mean, you know, his eightieth birthday party.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. You just adjust yeah. it, don't you, for you know, your stage in life, I guess. I mean when you were in Blue Oyster cult it was like full on, wasn't it? But you have youth on your side. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Raging
0: <laughs> raging music, yeah. Raging, yeah. <laughs> raging music. And now it's it's not quite as raging. Although uh, we did play, we played a gig in, uh, in January in Massachusetts. You know, the yeah. only gig. And the first time that many of these songs had ever been played live. So that was quite amazing. And, uh, and it was actually quite high energy. <laughs> God, I got this young guy playing drums now, this 26-year-old drummer. And he is, uh, he's phenomenal. But uh, yeah, he pushes us. Well, definitely, uh... that's
1: what you need isn't it really you know to get that sort of that force back in it all don't you yeah. to to re- yeah. re- re-energise yourself as well it must be giving you a it's completely great. new lease of life it has to be
0: yeah yeah Coat, and you are listening to cattails and and so what happened was after when i as soon as i retired i said you know i i was doing this monthly radio show with my uh, my oldest son has a uh, uh internet radio station rally had it um he told me yesterday this is it we've been doing this for 12 years I'm tired of it. it. It doesn't, I haven't made a penny on it. And, uh and I got other stuff I got to do. So I'm, I'm stopping the, the, the radio station. So, but to, you know, and I had done it for almost, uh, I, mean, I think about eight years or seven years, I'd done this radio thing mm-hmm. with this month, this monthly uh, show. And I was getting a little bored with it, you know, just spinning records and talking about the records and, you know, and uh, it's coming up with a theme for every, you know, every month, you know, this, yeah. this month it's Valentine's day. So it's love songs, you know, and <laughs> okay, up. this, this, <laughs> this month is, is, Hell. <laughs> <laughs> Songs about hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, murder ballads, you know, a lot of... Murder lot of, ballads.
1: Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. So you've left that bit behind yeah. as well, have you? So you're now really back focusing on your music. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, but, that's terrific.
0: Well, what I was going to say, though, is that um, David and Hirschberg, my bass player, And I would get together as a duo and we would play some of these imagino songs. And the reaction from the fans was uh, amazing. You know, usually I would get about 10 or 11 people tuning in. But once we started playing the Imagino songs, I get 50, 60, 70 people. And I was like, Whoa, okay. People really like this, you know? So, uh, so, uh, we start, we said, well, let's get a little band together. So we got ourselves a drummer and, um, and, uh, then we got a keyboard player and, uh, both are former students of mine actually. And so we started, uh, working up the songs, you know, with the idea that maybe we would go into the studio and, um, and cut, cut the tracks. You know, I, I have been working in the studio in Connecticut for a long time and it, it's great. You know, the people are great there. The sounds are great. The room is great. Everything is great. So then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden the band couldn't practice anymore. You know, the, the drummer was like, he, uh, he, you know, he, uh, there's a grocery store, chain in uh in the united states called uh stop and shop and they what they had they have robots that uh, do inventory
1: all
0: right you know it's these machines that move along the aisles and they check
1: the inventory yeah that's a nice way of putting everybody uh, out of work isn't it (laughs) yeah it's a way of the future
0: well it it put my student into work he uh you know he's a he got had a a degree in computer science. And he'd been doing, he'd been doing everything under the sun. You know, he was doing a little bit of program. He was teach he was teaching a course on how to record with a computer, you know, how to use logic and GarageBand yeah. and, and pro tools and all this stuff. And, and he was busking in the subway and he's, you know, he was like doing everything, a little bit of everything. And so he couldn't do that anymore. All of a sudden he had a real job. That paid him serious money, yeah. and a girlfriend, and a house, and he the bought a house. Responsibility. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He grew up. He grew up on me, <laughs> <laughs> How
2: <dare> and, me. <laughs> and so, uh,
0: so he couldn't. He couldn't do it. And we practiced with the keyboard player. You know, uh, Mookie, You know, she, she. You know, but she's she worked for the MTA, and all of a sudden, she had to. You know, they were there were people calling out. So he, she had to do double shifts as a conductor on a subway train. And so neither of them, their jobs interfered with uh, playing in the band. Yeah. And I just, we could not seem to you know, coordinate besides the fact that for the, for a couple of months, you know, you couldn't see anybody. So I was just working on this stuff by myself at home. We had, I'd recorded the, uh, the rehearsals you know, I, mm-hmm. you know, as we were trying to learn these things. So I, uh, I ended up using those as guides for what I would do and, and just replaced all the parts basically and, and played most of the stuff myself. And, and then I was like, well, you know, and then I'm listening to the blue Oyster Coat versions and, you know, you got
2: mm-hmm.
0: some serious, uh, Musicianship on these these uh, records, and uh, you know, I mean, I I fool around on guitar, and I'm pretty good at rhythm, and I can, you know, I can I can fake a you know a, a ripping lead, you know, <laughs> I can shred for about uh, you know three and a half seconds,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then realize you need perhaps a little bit more than that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, need a little bit more than that. So I started uh, sending stuff. Through the internet, you know, through Dropbox or WeTransfer mm-hmm. to other other musicians to help me uh, finish this thing, and so that's wh- how that happened. Oh, and amazing. when it came out, I was stunned. It made the charts and uh, the Billboard charts and sold thousands of records. And I mean, it was it was wild. It was like, oh wow. It. Well, I guess maybe this is what I should do. So so what I sandy and i had already started working on the second record you know before the first one was done so uh i just continued with that you know there was some songs that weren't finished and uh, i had uh my brother joe and buck dharma help me finish those songs but you know so this is really was in the plan from all of all the time now the other thing that happened was in. 2016 sandy perlman passed away
1: yes i was going to ask you a, about that i mean yeah, what would you yeah. what would you think his his view of the album the finished work would be
0: oh i he would totally dig it yeah. i mean he was you know i think that especially the first one but i think both of them he would he would love them because you know uh he had A lot of the first one, you know, is is very much acoustically oriented. The second one is still, you know, I'm playing acoustic guitar on every song, but there's more electric guitar. You know, I have Ross the Boss, you know, putting his heavy metal stuff on there, too. So, which, you know, I'm sure Sandy would be totally okay with that. But he also loves you know, uh, uh, the folk songs, he was yeah. really a folky at heart, you oh. know, so <laughs> he liked that. So I'm sure he would like that. I'm sure he would be delighted that I am doing this because mm. when he was sick, when he, when he had his accident, you know, he'd felt fallen down and had some sort of brain mm. bleeding. And, uh, and, uh, so he was in a coma and then he came out of the coma. And I visited him in the hospital in San Francisco. And I told him that I was going to do, I was going to redo Imaginos and I was going to do the all three, all three uh, records, you know, because it was originally conceived of as a trilogy. So, yes. And the other thing that happened was while I was still working at the school. I was approached by this guy, uh, Don Falcone, who, who is from San Francisco and he hooked up with uh, Dave Brock and all the people in Hawkwind.
2: Oh, right. Okay.
0: You know, so he was doing this thing with Hawkwind uh, where it was like space rock, right?
2: Right. You know,
0: which is what Hawkwind does, right?
2: That's right. And
0: so uh, he, he, eventually he got, you know, and so I'd been contributing to his thing for, you know, since I think 2006 Mm -hmm. or so, Mm
2: -hmm. you
0: know, so for quite a while, I've been working with Don Falcone, you know, with the space rock thing and, uh, you know, all the Hawkwind alumni, Bridget, Bridget Wishart and all of those people. So, so anyway, he, he decided he's going to do a record with Michael Moorcock, the science fiction writer. Okay. So, so, uh, and what he wanted to do was he, uh, Michael had uh, done this trilogy of, uh, 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 called Dancers at the End of Time. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It was basically a sci-fi thing that happens way in the future, but, you know, there's lots of, Time machine. H.G. Wells is in it. Oh, brilliant! You know, <laughs> yes.
2: and,
0: you know, you know, it's it's great. It's you know, it it, it alternates between you know the uh, you know the twenty eighth century and uh, and eighteen eighty six, which is the year that you know the year that uh, Wells wrote, wrote the Time Machine. Oh, I,
1: I just love that. I just love the Time Machine yeah. and the whole concept of that. Yeah. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it picks upon that yeah. concept. It was wonderful.
0: So it was funny because so he asked me to contribute a couple songs, which I did. Mm-hmm. And you know, I sent him some demos. I said, you know, is this kind of what you're thinking? And he's like, oh, this is great, great. You know, this is uh down falcon. So uh, I I started working on it, and then I'm I'm like, would you li- like some more? And He's like, yes. So then he starts sending me, you know, uh, the other songs he's got, and I'm like. Hey man, you know, you can't have, it's, it's, it's Michael Moorcock, you know, the, the you know, he's a brilliant wordsmith, mm-hmm. you know, he, his, his imagery, his, the, you know, I know you, you know, your, your music is great, but you really need to have lyrics on these things. You know, you, yeah. if you want to, you know, and make it, make it, make it easy to follow the story and stuff. So he's like, Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> what do you, what do you suggest? I said, well, let me, you know, so I ended up doing, there was 16 songs on that record, and I think I wrote about 12 of them. Oh, wow. I wrote lyrics, and, and I sang vocals. I didn't sing them all, I, I mean, because I just was like, it's not my record, you yeah, know. And yeah. And uh, I get sick of my voice after a while, so I got <laughs> other people to sing, sing I'm stuff. I'm sure
1: other people aren't sick of it, but I take your point. <laughs>
0: Do, do, during the process, though, I was like, "Gee, this feels like Imaginos. This feels like what I did with Imaginos. It was I had that same feeling of excitement about it, oh, and that also made me think maybe I should revisit it. You know, yeah. now that I'm doing all this stuff with Spirits Burning, maybe I could do the same thing with Imaginos. And so uh, that was the other thing. And uh, and I'm so I'm fin- I'm doing the last episode, the last record of the trilogy for Imaginos, but I'm also simultaneously working on the last record of the Dances at the End of Time trilogy.
1: Oh, wow.
0: So, two trilogies, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's brilliant. Yeah. Love them; these wonderfully yeah. big projects. I mean, they're really ambitious, but to actually pull it off and find out after all these years, you know, Imagineers has actually been the concept that you imagined it all those years ago before Blue Oyster Cult, you know, recorded it. Oh yeah. You know, and it's actually yeah. it's it's there, and it's it's successful, and it's been well received. I mean, that must make Ooh, you feel a little yeah. bit, yeah. Do you know what? I I knew it would be if only you'd listened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you know what i don't i don't have any regrets you know i mean uh i did a interview just uh about an hour ago and uh and they wanted to know you know why did you leave the group mm. you know and i'm like oh well, you know and, and sometimes i tell them exactly what happened sometimes i i spin it whatever way to make myself look a little better or yeah. to make myself worse. <laughs> no. I, was, I did some bad things. But uh, now when I look at it, it's a long time ago, yeah. you know, and I don't, I have, there's not really much emotion connected to any of the events now. It just seems to me that I, it was time for me to go, you know, it's yeah. time for me to grow, you know, go and grow. Yeah. And, uh, I and, that. and for the,
1: Yeah. You know, you look back on these things differently, don't you? With with wisdom, with time. Time changes how you view things as well, doesn't it? And, you know, you've got that maturity as well. And as you say there, the emotion's gone. So you look back and you go, do you know what? I could have behaved better there maybe, but they could have behaved better there. And in a way, it just about taking you to the point where you're supposed to be you know, for both of Everything you. Everything
0: would be different, you know. It's like yeah. the time machine. Yes, you know. Exactly. You go back and you change things and, you know, you I might be dead, yeah, you know,
1: absolutely. if I
0: hadn't been if I hadn't left you know
1: yeah absolutely I know what you're saying there Al it always makes me think Do you know what there's no point in having regrets is there? because you are where you're supposed yeah. to be and if you right, regret right. something you may have chosen a different route that took you somewhere else that may not have been as good as where you are it's good you know?
0: yeah exactly you know I mean I would say this to any any younger musician is you know don't get discouraged when st- bad stuff happens. Yeah. It happens for a reason, but you never know.
2: No. You know,
0: it can turn around in a second and all of a sudden it turned into a good thing.
2: Excellent. You know,
0: so you never really know. You know, you're, you're coming from like this very small perception of what, what, what's really happening around it is so much bigger, and, but you yeah. can't see that.
1: That's right. That's yeah. so true. Yeah, Al, you're so right. I mean, it's you, and you also get so embroiled with things at that moment in time, don't you? Where your perception right, gets right. skewed as well, doesn't it? And right, right. and then years yeah. later, you forget what your emotions were at that time. But yeah. you've just got to trust yeah. that your actions were right for the emotions that you had, and and don't beat right. yourself up for these things. Yeah you know yep. you know but you know it's it's great to have been part of something like blue oyster cult you know to have that legacy you started that band you know that was your band and the writing aspect of it the some of the hits that have come out of that that era are are incredible um different from what you're doing now but equally is incredible
0: thank you thank you uh, yeah well i i i appreciate it you know i mean i i probably during the process of writing, you know, everything you do is a learning opportunity, you know? And I think I learned a lot as I was going through stuff with them, you know? So, you know, I mean, just, just like, you know, just like teaching, you know, I think I learned more teaching than I, and I taught, really, you know. Oh, I absolutely. Learn more from
1: yeah, I know exactly what you mean there. I have done lecturing as well, and I, I, you know, you you go into that stage of of imparting your knowledge, but actually, it forces you to raise your own game, doesn't it? Because you've got to yeah you've got to be on the top of your game to be able to impart the knowledge in the first place. It's a fascinating concept, really. But yeah. hopefully, you come out as a better person, yeah. don't you? A better artist.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the, you know, that's the whole goal, I think, you know, in life, really, is that, you know, just improve, you know, as much as you can,
2: yeah. (laughs)
3: you <laughs>
0: Albert Bouchard from Blue Oyster Cult and you are listening to
1: Cattails. Well, let me take you back to this album, this trilogy that you've got going on. I'll tell you what I'm loving about it is the fact that you've also got it in vinyl. And, uh, you know, vinyl's made us such a resurgence, hasn't it? And I know there's lots of people out there who say there's nothing quite like it. Do you feel um, the same about that? Do you think it has to be on vinyl? Or did you just like the concept of doing something that was quite retro because that's the roots of it?
0: Right, right. I don't know. Uh, It it was... That was, the con- that was the concept that Sandy and I had was it was going to be three double records with, you know, a gatefold, you know, and, you know, liner notes and lyrics and all this other stuff, you know, just and and so I've been actually able to do that now. Which is kind of a mind blower that you know I can go back and do it the way that it was originally intended. Yeah. Originally it was intended to be in vinyl because well CDs weren't even invented yet, no, exactly. or if they were, nobody had any. <laughs> no, you, no. Know, <laughs> you know, but you know, you know, by the time the record came out, I think that CDs by. Now- were they out in 1988? I believe they yeah, were. Yeah, they
1: were. Yeah, they were. Yeah. But there's something lovely yeah. about that tangibility of vinyl, isn't there? And this whole, you know, you, you, the trilogy that you've got going on, am looking at this particular collection here, which is autographed and everything. Um, it looks fabulous, absolutely fabulous. It's a real collector's piece. You know, is that how you kind of intended it? You wanted someone to feel, oh, yeah, I'm going back in time, in that time machine again. <laughs> and there you are, holding oh, something. <laughs>
0: yeah, yes. I, yeah, I guess so. You know, I hadn't really thought about it that clearly. But yeah, now that you mention it, <laughs> it is. It's it's trying to, you know, to to bring, you know, it's kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it is a bit like a time machine, mm. you know. You know, a kind of correction of, of history. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: A correction.
1: <laughs> I mean, what also fascinates me is the actual songwriting process itself. And I think what's lovely about where you are now is um, you're talking about you, you created a trilogy here of stories haven't you but some of your songwriting has also been about personal experience as well hasn't it so you know do you take much of your yourself when you're writing this stuff or or is it sort of like outwardly inspired or does that depend what you're writing?
0: Okay I'll give you an example Uh, for the new record that is that I'm working on currently right you know I've been working on it for the last I guess since uh, Mid-January or so. You know, I thought that I was going to have all these gigs because I'm now playing with the Dictators and I'm playing with Robert Gordon, the Rockabilly guy, and um, and Blue Coup has gigs. And I have gigs with my brother and his girlfriend, with the Bouchard brothers. So I have a, all these gigs. And then everything got if either canceled or postponed, mm. you know, or rescheduled for later on in the year. So... All of a sudden I had all this time. So I said, okay, let me work on this, these things. So I'm, uh, uh, the other two records, all the songs were written at least partially. Okay. So this record, uh, there's a storyline to it, but there was no song. There was no lyric. There was no title. there was nothing. So, uh, I had gone back to when I was working with Sandy and making demos and stuff. And Sandy had asked me to write a song called Mountains of Madness that was going to be similar to the um, H.P. Lovecraft book of the same name or Mm -hmm. story, I guess, because it was uh, I guess it was in a magazine first. But, you know, Mountains of Madness. So I read the book. And I wrote an instrumental piece uh, that I called Mountains of Madness. And uh, so, and in that same demo session, I think we did Del Rio's song. We did Siege and Investiture, Girl That Loved Me Blind. We did a whole bunch of things. And so that's all on this tape. And so I, last summer, I I got the tape machines out and I, uh, you know, Heated the, heated the tapes up and uh, started uh, transferring them to my computer. And so I was listening to this Mountains of Madness song, and I thought, well, this does not sound like that. Mm. It doesn't sound anything like that. Now, at the same time that I was working on this stuff, I was madly in love with this girl from Seattle, Washington, Monica DeMeo. Oh. And I, I had actually written about 10, I'd written almost a whole record of songs just about her, oh. about us, you know, oh, about romantic. our relationship. Hmm. And, and so I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, this instrumental sounds like a love song. It sounds like a love song. And I'm like, yeah, I guess, you know, in a way, I was writing it about her. Yeah. But now we've got this other, I don't know, I, I don't really want to give away the plot of no. what's going to okay. happen. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, the the girl that love made blind from the first record comes back in the last record. Oh. And this is a song about that girl oh. who we're going to call for just because you know there was only two females mentioned in in the Imaginos record. One was uh, Susie, and K- oh well, three: Susie and her friend Carrie, and then Ariana. So I said, "Well, Ariana is, that's a good one, you know, for for a girl that you know is is two hundred years old and yeah. travels through space." So I wrote this song and. And I'm listening to the song and I'm thinking, Well, I'm really, you know, mm. <laughs> I'm really writing about Monica. Yes. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> so, You've you got know, to put yourself and, in
1: that space though, haven't you? <laughs> you
0: know, it's it's like, you know, I'm writing about a spaceship that kiss kissed star lips.
1: Mm.
0: You know, so you know, there's all these this imagery that is kind of romantic and yet is about space travel. <gasps>
1: Wow, that sounds amazing! Can't wait to hear that one. I really can't wait to hear that. Yeah,
0: it's coming out really good. I'm like, whoa. This okay. (laughs) At first, you know, first I was discouraged. I was like, oh, this sounds awful. It's just like weird, Uh, you know. And then I kept working on it, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I got this idea for the chorus and it, that pulled it all together
1: i was oh. like oh yeah when you get that yeah. kingpin bit that just slots in and suddenly it all just hangs yes. from it yeah yeah
0: oh. it's a great feeling yeah
1: God, i bet great. it is oh i can't wait i cannot wait to hear that it sounds amazing mm-hmm. and i just love the whole concepts of everything that you're working on as well and i think it's wonderful that you're you know you're out there and you're doing this stuff again i mean are you out there on the road i mean you talked earlier about doing a few gigs and stuff but are you planning on doing more of that Have you got tours lined up you have
0: yeah well i uh i'm working on actually now you are you're in uk i
1: am in the uk yes
0: yes yes so i'm working on uh, a tour in august in uk
1: oh brilliant
0: uh we're supposed to uh my on my label which is deco entertainment Mm -hmm. they signed uh this group angel which you know we Blue Oyster Cult used to play with them many, many years ago. You know, they used to open the show for us. And so they, they've been signed uh, to this label, and they have some strong interest in UK for some gigs. So they're going to take us, uh, m- me and my brother Joe and his girlfriend, uh, as the opening act oh, wow. for them Great. to open the show. So it's about a 10-day you know 8 to 10 days in in the UK 8 to 10 gigs i guess so that's in august so and that's looking pretty good
1: that's brilliant and will sure. that be i'm assuming that'll be announced on your website then won't it um, oh yeah, yeah 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 definitely it, yeah so we'll have to have to make sure yeah. that everyone goes there to have a look because yeah. i can't wait to uh, to come and see you see you perform all this yeah. stuff live or you'll have a choice yeah. of stuff to perform i mean crikey that must be the hard oh, yeah. bit what on earth do you choose yeah and what's possible yeah, as yeah. well in a live environment i guess as well isn't it <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah it is well you know when we you know every Every show I do now, it's like, and this is kind of, you know, and I know it sounds like it would be boring that you play Don't Fear the Reaper at the end of the show, for the very end, you know. Oh, you can't and, get away without I mean, it, unless,
1: you? <laughs> you have to play it. You can't
0: really, no, you know, I mean, yes, you know, I mean, I remember when I first, when I started doing these things in the summer, you know, when I was, you know, uh, music as a hobby thing, uh, I wouldn't play any Blue Oyster Cult, zero, none of it. And uh, and then I, it started creeping in. And then when I started playing with my brother, my brother's like, you know, and he's, you know, he's a people pleaser, so he's <laughs> like, you gotta play it, man, come on. So uh, so we always do it last, you know, and uh, and it's and it's fun for me because I don't play drums on it. I play guitar. I play lead guitar. Mm. So uh, th- which is really fun. You know,
1: uh, That must feel good, though, because you're you're going back yeah. in time. We'll talk about a time machine again, aren't we? But you're going back in time, playing yeah. playing a hit that you played all those years ago with you know Blue Oyster Cult, but in a different right. guise. So it must feel different right. and fresh for you. Yeah. So it's not like oh that old yeah. tired thing again. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, well, it's kind of like Levon Helm. You know, it, you know, after the band, you know, he always had a drummer, yeah. oh. <laughs> and he played guitar and mandolin. You know, was yeah. the lead singer, so. Brilliant. You know, I mean, I see that. Or, or Dave Grohl. Yeah,
1: exactly. Another one. Yes, exactly, exactly. Oh, bless you all. Al. I'm, I wish you good luck with it all. I mean, it, it's just such a pleasure to, to speak with you. It really is, Al. Thank you very much for your Love. your time and your stories. It's-
0: well, thank you, Kat, too.
1: You take care. Thanks a lot, Al. Speak you soon. Too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Cat Tales with me, Cat, and my guest today, Albert Bouchard. The tracks featured are Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult, Siege and Investiture of Baron von Frankenstein's Castle at Viseria from Reimagino's, and Shadow of California from Imagino's 2, both by Albert Bouchard. Visit albertbouchard.net to find out more information about Albert, where to purchase his music, and when and where he will be performing live. To listen to this again and to other tales, visit cattails.co.uk. You've been listening to Cattails.